0: Welcome now, Janet Kavanocchi, Executive Director of Transportation and Infrastructure for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Thanks for coming, Janet, and welcome. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, let's start with just infrastructure and as a whole. Um, if you talk to any trucking executive, I would imagine from an owner-operator to one of the two parcel giants, they'll have an infrastructure story that they can talk about, and it's a big issue for them. But American business is um, a huge issue. Um, undertaking as a whole. How much, does, how much difference does infrastructure make to business as a whole across the broad stre- spectrum of chamber members?
1: Well, whether I'm talking to a state or local chamber member, those are your chambers of commerce uh, in your communities, in your states, or I'm talking to one of the major shippers in the country, or even the services sector. Um, healthcare, for example, they all tell us that transportation is a big part of their ability to do business. Uh, I've testified actually both at the Senate Banking Committee two weeks ago on public transportation and the Senate Commerce Committee last week, and we were able to tell great stories about, for example, in Houston, uh, why the healthcare sector looks at transportation comprehensively there, the need to both move people and move, move product. They're the actually the largest and, and fastest growing segment of Houston's economy. And they say infrastructure is absolutely critical to what they're doing. Um, and then you go to some place like Ohio, which is, is looking at taking all of its infrastructure assets and using them to really become a place where goods and services are moving to and through. It's pervasive throughout the economy.
0: Obviously, these people need transportation to get things moving around, whether it's uh, factory inputs or um, steaks to restaurants. But do they are, are people that you talk to your membership experiencing actual problems now? Is there a broad-based frustration with the uh, inventory of U.S. roads and bridges today?
1: You know, the the concern today is about uncertainty. It's about unpredictability and the quality of service that they get from the transportation services providers that they know is tied to infrastructure that's just not doing its job. A few years ago, we actually did a study and we went out and we talked to a broad base of our members and we asked them, what matters to you and why when it comes to infrastructure? They said, well, we need supply. We need stuff where it is um, or where it needs to be. We need our roads, bridges, ports airports inland waterway facilities we need those today to do to do our jobs we need enough capacity for the future so that we know if we locate a business someplace that it can grow because the infrastructure has room for it to grow and we need that high quality of service reliability predictability safety cost-effectiveness uh, i think that business community has realized that industries like the trucking industry third-party logistics firms, intermodal services have gotten really, really good at working around the limitations of our current infrastructure. Uh, what they're concerned about is, you know, are we going to hit a wall at some point where we we can't just work around everything, where because of the increased volumes of freight and increased population, you know, we don't, we're not competitive as a country.
0: Let's talk about hitting walls for a moment. The, the two, um, the two things in the news currently are, one, it's Infrastructure Week, and two, um, Congress, both houses, are working on um, funding for surface transportation. There's, there, there are two schools of thought. One says, uh, let's go back to the good old days where we have a six-year or so long-term uh, plan. We plan out things rationally over a period of time. We fully fund them. Another says, let's get by the next two to seven months. Um, we'll do some stopgap funding because we can't really reach an agreement. Do you think, to, 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 to um, handicap the uh, race, do you think we're looking at patches forever? Or is it conceivable that we could actually get to the point of a long term solution anytime? Well, you know,
1: there really is actually one solid school of thought, which is we need a long-term, fully-funded transportation bill. And that belief is pervasive across Congress. There are some naysayers who would rather see state and local governments take over all of transportation. Um, There are some people who ideologically just don't want to see the federal government in transportation. But I think that it's to the credit of leaders in the House and the Senate, whether that's Bill Schuster and Peter DeFazio in the House, or it's Jim Inhofe and Barbara Boxer in the Senate, that that they've made the case that the federal government needs to be a player and we need long-term bills. The problem here is finding the money. Uh, And finding the money comes down to, do you believe we need a user-funded system, or is it just too hard to deal with user funding, and now we have to go and find other ways to pay for transportation? Uh, Because we've moved away from the from the concept that we should be we should be paying based on what users pay, it it just throws transportation in with every other federal program that is looking is looking for revenues, and that's what's complicating this discussion and debate. I do believe yes, we're going to end up with an extension here in the next week or so, but everything I'm being told, whether it's the Ways and Means and Finance Committees, which are the ones that are really well driving the proverbial truck on this issue. Um, or it's the authorizers in House Transportation and Infrastructure, Senate Environment, Public Works, Commerce, and Banking, is there is a lot of hard work going into finding the money for a long-term bill. So, you know, I'm optimistic so long as that we can keep some pressure on Congress, so long as states, you know, governors, state DOT directors, mayors keep telling Congress, here's why you've got to do your job, Uh, as long as we don't become an afterthought, we can actually get a bill done.
0: I'm, I'm guessing that the the authorizing people you mentioned in House TNI or um, Senate Environment, Public Works, etc. They they seem to talk to each other, and I wouldn't be surprised to see an, an inventory of projects to work on that they could perhaps agree on. But but the paying for it all seems to be the the issue. Is that how you see it, or is there different log jams?
1: You know. I- I think that the authorizing committees, the ones that deal with policy and programs that are that are linked to delivering projects, to speeding up project delivery, to making investments in freight transportation, that decide what are the priorities and where will the money go, I think those folks can really come to agreement. Uh, and you know, MAP 21, moving ahead for progress in the 21st century, actually made historic reforms to the policies and programs. I think the real problem right now is the question of paying for it. And this is a different challenge that has faced transportation, than has faced transportation advocates in the past. It used to be with earmarks and with the ability to really identify projects in every congressional district in every state, that the power was held with the authorizers, that they could go to leadership and say we're ready to pass a bill, we're ready to show America that we can bring home projects to them that matter. Now you're talking about really having to focus on the Finance and Ways and Means Committees, and they've got a whole lot of other things on their plate that aren't necessarily related to fixing the transportation problem so as transportation advocates we're going to have to be smarter about understanding the entire legislative playing field we're going to have to care about what's going on with tpa with trade promotion authority or the ex In bank we'll have to care about what's going on with tax reform or tax extenders we've got to pay attention to more than just what we used to which is how do we drive a transportation bill We've got to figure out where in the legislative process we fit.
0: As far as paying for it all, the Chamber is obviously always very concerned with issues of taxation. Is um, a transportation network worthy of enduring taxation? And if so, what do you guys think of how the system should look like? What should it look like, uh, the raising of revenue for transportation?
1: Well, the Chamber agrees with the American Trucking Associations that we really need a user-fee funded transportation system. In fact, as far back as 2008, we joined with ATA, the National Association of Manufacturers, and AAA in signing a letter to Congress saying what we really need to do is increase gas and diesel taxes. We maintain today that a modest phased-in increase of gas and diesel taxes indexed to inflation is the simplest, most straightforward way to deal with the current transportation problems. And we know we're gonna have to move forward and think about what are new ways for funding transportation. We're willing to look at other options, but what it comes down to for us so we're looking for things that are transportation related, or revenues that are transportation related, because that has an important tie to a highway trust fund and the ability to pass long-term bills. We want funding that is sustainable, predictable, and growing over time. We don't need any more of these fiscal cliffs, which also means that we're looking for things that aren't just one-time solutions, one-time chunks of money. We need ongoing revenues to support ongoing funding for transportation. You know, the money's got to be collectible by the federal government. There's a lot of things state and locals can do, like sales taxes, we can't do at the federal level. Um, and we've, we've really got to make sure that it's structured in a way that, that works for supporting the real needs of the transportation community.
0: Finally, let's look at public-private partnerships for transportation. I know mm-hmm. you were a moderator at a panel discussion uh, connected with George Mason University the other day on that. Uh, two points. Mm -hmm. One, what did you learn at school that day, sitting in on that panel and listening? And two, how does what you heard mesh with chamber preferences on the notion of P3s?
1: Well, I think the big takeaways from that panel yesterday are, one, The challenge, and a lot of people say, well, is the challenge to getting more public-private partnerships the need for more money? Well, the the challenge is finding funding for infrastructure, not funding for public-private partnerships. And there was wide agreement from the private sector and public sector members on my panel that, Public-private partnerships are just another way of procuring projects. They're another way of going forward and getting contracts to design, to build, to operate, to maintain, to finance projects. So, one way or another, you still have to have money. P3s aren't, three, aren't free. Second, not every project is going to be right for a public-private partnership. You know, you've got to be looking for things that, that are actually financeable and places that the public and private sector can each bring strengths. And I think that's the third piece of this, which is, you know, as I've said, they're not for everything, but there are opportunities in P3s to actually bring more innovation, to speed up project delivery, to allocate risk. We talk a lot about risk allocation, but that means that, for example, with the Port of Miami Tunnel, the contractor doing the construction was taking on the risk of getting that done on time and on budget. Contractor wasn't getting it paid until that tunnel was done. So there are a lot of different tools with P3s. And what it comes down to for the chamber is we need to think about where is it best to use public-private partnerships? How can that be an avenue to bring in some additional capital to get projects done sooner, to deliver benefits sooner, to allocate risk better? Uh, But all of that has got to be done with an eye towards making sure that the customers of that infrastructure are well served and are part of the process.
0: Janet Kavanoke of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in Washington, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you.